We're talking about uh, healthy and unhealthy churches. What is a healthy church? What is the sign of an unhealthy church? We talked last week about an unhealthy church. And we saw from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, an unhealthy church is one who has constant division and divisiveness. There's no unity. Paul deals with the church at Corinth with that issue that had crept in and had to rebuke this church because of the divisiveness and the cliques and the groups that were spread around. There was, there was no unity in the church. And, um, and, and Paul deals with that. And it's not to say that there aren't going to be uh, times of disagreement and strong opinions and, and uh, seeking the Lord's will. But, um, but in, in a church that is healthy, there is a spirit of unity. There is, a, there is a way to go about offenses. There are ways to go about uh, communicating to leadership and, and to those who can deal with uh, things or can, can hear complaints or maybe uh, criticisms that can do in the right way. But uh, divisiveness is, uh, is a way to tear the testimony down of the church. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul deals with another issue, a sign of an unhealthy church. What, what Corinthians is dealing with, 1 Corinthians, is, is Paul is dealing with this church, the, the gospel power to change people's hearts and lives. Hearts, that's, that's the inside, and lives, that is the outside. Behavior, in other words, the gospel comes into the heart of a hard person changes and softens their heart, saves them, forgives them, and from the inside out changes his behavior, changes his life. And that's what the gospel does. And a church that is, um, that is healthy is going to be a church that is actively involved in the gospel ministry of seeing the hearts changed and lives changed conformed to the gospel. Each of its members conforming to the, the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what it is in being saved and being added to the church and growing in God, being baptized, and growing in the Lord. There's this process of growth where in some way we are all being changed into the image of Christ. We are all being conformed to, um, to the message of the gospel. The gospel is just not for evangelism. The gospel is also for discipleship. That's why we need to see the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to go back and see and preach from the Gospels and, and hear the life of Christ and see His sacrifice and see what He did on our behalf. Believers need a good glimpse of the Gospel to continue to get them rooted and grounded in the Word of God so that our thinking and our behavior is patterned after Christ and what He has done for us. The problem at the church at Corinth is that they had failed to model their behavior and their lifestyle according to the gospel. They had been saved. They had established a church. Paul had a successful ministry that's there. But when Paul moved on over the course of time, this church began to, to go back into patterns and behaviors that were uh, consistent with who they used to be. That's why there was divisiveness within this church. And Paul is writing to this church. In fact, this letter, this epistle, is the second epistle that he's written to this church. Um, the first time he wrote, um, in fact, you can look down in chapter 5, look at verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. 
In other words, they're right there. There's evidence that before he even wrote 1 Corinthians, there is a Corinthians, you know, point oh, or whatever. <laughs> there is a, a, a previous letter to this letter. And then you can look in verse 11 of this same chapter. And he says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man has called a brother. So he said, now I'm writing to you. I wrote to you in the past. Now I'm writing again to you. And so this is actually the second letter. And then 2 Corinthians is the third letter. And then um, there possibly is also a fourth letter as well. However, 1 and 2 Corinthians are the letters that are inspired and given to us. Now we heard about division in chapter 1. This church that was not in unity in the gospel. And Paul cried out in those first few chapters to tell them to conform to the gospel. That is the main goal of every believer. In chapter 2, he rebuked their doubt of Paul's person and approach to the gospel. And how they need to receive the word of God. How they received it through the spiritual man. Because he says in that chapter, the natural man receives not the things of God. In chapter 3, Paul rebuked them because they were being babies. Not able to take the meat of the word because they were carnal. And he reminds them that every man's work will be manifest on that day. There is coming a day when we as believers will stand before God. He was reminding them that they are the temple of God in chapter 3 and verse 16 and 23. And that no matter who they are, they belong to Christ. In chapter 4, Paul reminds them that the gospel is a stewardship that they are responsible for. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. This means sacrifice as an example by the Apostle Paul. In chapter 4, verses 9 through 14, he said, I write these things not to shame you, but I write them to warn you. In chapter 4, in verse 18, he said, some of you are puffed up. You see that? Probably on the page that you have, verse 18. I see some of you that are puffed up. As though I would not come to you. And then Paul gives a promise. He says, I am coming. And I will show you not just in words as I've written to you. But then I will say it to you in the power of the gospel in person. So basically, straighten up. I'm pulling my apostle authority on you. And I'm coming your way. And, and so you better, you better straighten up with some things. In chapter 5, Paul gets practical to the point on some major issues that has come into this church because of the division and the divisiveness. Satan has taken advantage of the disunity in the church. And he's starting, remember like wolves and sheep? Wolves pick out the weakest sheep first. The stragglers. The ones that stray off to the side. All right? And, and Paul recognizes that sin has started to creep into the church from these fringe people who have been. And then that's to what happens when, when the devil is allowed room to come in. And their doubt, their carnality, their lack of growth, their unfaithfulness and their stewardship and the pride that is now puffed up in their heart. All of these things has led to the church not seeing changed hearts and not seeing changed lives. And Paul is saying this influence in your church is destructive. Sad to say that this church could fit into one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. 
um, because of some characteristics that are seen. And yet, the Apostle Paul would write to them. So, let's just look at a serious issue here that is a few moments that we have in chapter 5 and verse 1. The the problem of unconfessed sin. The need for church discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says this, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And before I go on, let me just mention here, as he says, it is reported, he gives a report, he's saying, I have heard, word has gotten to me about your testimony. Now we heard from Chloe's house in chapter 1 that word had gotten to the Apostle Paul that there was divisiveness. Some were saying, I'm of Paulus. Some were saying, and I'm of Cephas. Some were saying that I'm of Paul and I'm of, I'm of Jesus. Okay, I'm of Christ. There was that. But also now, five, uh, five chapters later, four chapters later, the Apostle Paul says, oh, by the way, there were some other things that came out that I heard about your testimony. It was reported In other words, Paul says, I've heard this. Here's the news flash given around. Paul has heard about this church and his testimony. Can I remind you, this church, Calvary Baptist Church of Huntsville, Alabama, has a testimony in this community. And its members, okay, the testimony is not the brick, even though there is a portion of our facility that does give a testimony. We want to make sure the grass is cut and the building looks nice and the sign is, is, is legible and, you know, there's lights out and, 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 and there are things from this community that they recognize even before they come on. However, the testimony of this church that Paul is talking about is not of the building, not of the grounds, not of the signs that you put out, not of your parking lot, not, not what your, um, you, know, you know, what's going on in, in the street. It's of the people. That's what makes up a church. Not bricks and stone and wood, carpet and pews. The church is you. That's the believers. We are the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul says, I, it has been reported to me of your testimony. And it stinks. <laughs> I want to say it that way. It's not good. Listen, you represent a good testimony or bad testimony of this church. When, when someone hears that you come from Calvary Baptist Church, is that a stigma in their mind of what they see in your life saying, that's a good church? Because of what they hear and see from your life. The pattern of behavior and the talk that you give. Can I also warn you as well about how you talk about your church? Right? It's important of what you share and what you say. Because you are representing a testimony. If you're constantly negative, I talked about this last week, maybe I reiterate this because it's just showing you about your testimony. If you're constantly negative to your friends and your neighbor and your family members about your church, you are, you are part of that and that is a name that you are showing forth as a bad testimony. I'm not saying that we don't ignore issues. We need to deal with issues. But do we be careful, especially of unbelievers, of how you talk about what is important to the Lord? And I would say that this church is important to the Lord. It is His work. It is His church. He is the head of it. 
Ecclesiastes says this, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of your birth. Proverbs 22 in verse 1, Solomon says, I'm going to say it in two different books. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. Listen, our testimony in our community and with each member of our church for the gospel's sake is the main reason that you and I are here on this earth. That's why we are left. Yes, to grow in our relationship with God. But our mission is to reflect the face of Jesus Christ on this earth, in your area, in your neighborhood, in your job, in your work, in your school. And you reflect not just the testimony as a Christian with the name of Jesus, but because you are a member of his body, his community, his his body as a local church, you also reflect his name through the church. And that is important. The church is here to make an impact. Notice what he says here. It is reported commonly. It's used in our King James, this word commonly. This means it is reported publicly. This is public knowledge. He's going to talk about a public sin, not a private sin. When the Apostle Paul hears about things that, that are private... The Apostle Paul is going to talk about there, there is a way and a process by which you deal with that person privately. But when a sin is public, there is a process. We follow what Jesus laid out in the book of Matthew as well as what the Apostle Paul will lay out in this passage and in several others about the process. However, he's dealing. This is reported commonly among you. And I have heard it. In other words, most of the, it, this is not that, that just only a, a few people know about this. The people in the community know about this. And the people as far away as Paul in another area, in another village, in another state, word has spread to him of this. There's no way getting around this. This was a public issue in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, Nathan, in the Old Testament, when he came to David, and and he told him about his sin with Bathsheba that now was public, Nathan reminded David and told him that even the pagan nations knew of David's actions. In other words, David's enemies knew what David had done. And Paul is saying this to the church. He says, I hear people around me talking about your bad testimony and what I've heard. And Satan laughs at you and God is ashamed because of you. And Paul is saying, shame on you. He's telling this church. So what is it reported that is among, that is commonly that there is, he says here, fornication among you. Now, I'm going to mention just this evening, we've got a few minutes left here, fornication is any type of sexual immorality. There's only one word in the Greek translated fornication, meaning it means to engage in any type of sexual sin of any kind. It's a general word. Often with the implications um, of prostitution, but engaging it in any kind of sexual sin outside of marriage. The root word of this word that is used here in the Greek is where we get our word in the English, pornography from. It's used in 1 Corinthians again, verse six, chapter 6 and verse 18. 
that the person who commits fornication is sinning against his own body. It's used in Jude uh, verse 7 where they commit fornication like Sodom and Gomorrah. In 1 Thessalonians 4 in verse 3, God is, uh, this is God's will that you would um, consecrate to him and to abstain from fornication. This is a word that is used. And it is immorality. This is not what pleases God. In fact, God hates sexual sin. He says that it destroys and dishonors the bounds of marriage that he has created. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. The Bible says, Marriage is honorable in all things, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You see, sexual immorality attacks the very institution that God created on day six. Very first institution between man and woman. And it is one of those attacks that God takes personally. When, when there is immorality that is happening. And the form of this immorality you see in the verse he says here. This kind of fornication is not so much as named even among the Gentiles. That one should have his father's wife. Now. To read, one, one version says this, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of the kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. Another translation says this, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among Gentiles. One commentator stated this, this sin was so vile that even the church's pagan neighbors were doubtless scandalized by it. The Corinthians has rationalized and minimalized this sin, which was common knowledge, even though Paul had written to them before about it. A man's stepmother, with whom he was having relations with, bore the same sinful stigma as if between he and his natural mother. We're talking about the sin of incest here. Interesting that in the book of Amos, probably a book that you don't turn to very often, but in the book of Amos, chapter 1 and 2, God sees, uh, comes to Amos and begins to tell of the sins that are listed among the pagan neighbors. And they're guilty of the sins. And then he comes down in Amos chapter 2 and verse 7. He names one of those sins. He says, That pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, and turns aside the way of the meek, and a man and his father will go into the same maid to profane my holy name. There's indication that possibly this is some kind of form of prostitution. But you can see... God appeals to this universal norm of decency that Israel and Judah had destroyed their own moral witness in the world because of their behavior. So what is going on here in this passage is that not only is there fornication, but there is a fornication that is even among the Gentiles looked down upon. Now, we talked this morning about levels of judgment. Are there levels of sin? Now, I know to God, all sin is sin to God. It is all breaking of God's covenant. Sin is sin. 
And the price of sin is the same, whether that's a small lie or a big lie. But there are levels of judgment and consequences that are greater and lesser for some sins. God does respond to certain sin more than He does others. This means that different level or degrees of sin should have different consequences that does directly affect the witness and the testimony of the church. This sin mentioned here is a sin of immorality and it was a heightened sin of immorality. And Paul points this out because of their testimony is so important. Um, The attack upon the home and when we um, went on vacation a few years back, we made sure that all the lists of things in our house were done because you're going to leave for a week or two and you had to make sure everything's locked and make sure the air conditioned set it to a certain amount and make sure there's certain things that are all, all, all situated in the right way, make sure everything's straightened up and you, you've got everything and, and we locked everything up. And, you know, we go down our checklist, we get in the van, go down the checklist, and, oh, did you get this, did you get that, we check this, did we get, did we get somebody to get our mail, did you, all right, you got all this, all right? and then we drove out, we were gone for two weeks. Came back, I opened the front door, and as soon as I opened the front door, a stench, an odor that was terrible was in my house. And... It was, it was bad, almost so bad that I was like, okay, all right, the family stay out. All right, somebody's been killed. <laughs> so I, I go up in there, and I'm, you know, turning the lights on, you know, turning the air up, and I'm going, going around, you know, trying to smell, you know, where this is coming from. <clears throat> you know, we've been gone two weeks, and, you know, and uh, in the height of summer, you know, things getting hot. And uh, it's coming from the kitchen, so I go in the kitchen, and I, and I look and I, I, I hit the lid on our trash can and open it up. And it was full. And we had not taken the trash out. And for two weeks, you know, we had to open everything up in our house and turn the fans on, spray. I threw the garbage can away. All right, we just not even keeping it. Right. At that time, we had babies and, um, and all the things. And, and the, you, know, you clean out your refrigerator and you're going to go and you put all the food and stuff. We put it in and I forgot to take the trash out. And it was full and ripe. Interesting, that trash can did not go around the whole house while we were gone. It didn't go into the bedroom. It didn't go into the bathroom. It didn't go into the basement. It didn't go, but you could smell it everywhere. Why is that? Because that's what pollution does. That's what, that's what trash does. That's what toxins do. They, they, they come in and they spread everywhere. It was in the one place. It didn't move around. It was only one thing. Now, interesting, the influence of sin. As oftentimes talked about in the New Testament as leaven. That can creep in, and if not dealt with, It can be dangerous and hurt the testimony. And so within 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul then lays down some ground rules of how to deal with sin of this type 
in the church. And we'll look at that the next time we come through. Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, help us to be so careful with sin that can creep in. Um, there are certain types of sin that affect the testimony more because of the public nature of them. And Lord, would you, um, would you help us to, be, to protect um, our testimony, protect and keep one another accountable, how important it is. Lord, I, I pray that, um, uh, Lord, that, that within our church that we would see the importance of, of purity, the sacredness of marriage, um, to our young people, to our children, to the youth, to our singles, in a day to day, in, in a day that is so rampant with tolerance and living how you please and doing what you want. And yet the Bible is pretty strict on some behaviors and actions about our life and the accountability and the testimony that it has on Jesus Christ. Lord, would we walk through and see how you would have for us to handle uh, things like this? And would you protect um, our members? in their lives to see how important and serious it is to deal with sin um, and, not, and not be unrepentant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed.